Sorry, uh, I had a few technical difficulties. I'm sure you guys are used to it by now. Uh, no, in fact, I, I started the, the live stream and then I thought I was actually streaming to something completely different. And so I ended the live stream thinking I could restart it, but you cannot do that on YouTube. In fact, uh, you, are, you are done streaming when you end that stream. So uh, anyways, welcome to episode seven of Couch Streams. Break the cycle with Joshua Smith. With Joshua Smith. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Wednesday. Uh, I am having a long one, but I am making... Th- making it through. Uh, I want to start out giving a shout out to our sponsors, Lorenzotti.coffee. Uh, I'm actually finally drinking this stuff and it is probably the best coffee I've ever had in my entire life. I'm drinking it out of my in the fed mug. I got a canister of it right here. It gets delivered directly to your door. I'm extremely excited to keep ordering this stuff. It is amazing. Definitely check it out. Check out toplobsta.com, the man for all of your uh, great printed graphic tees. If you're into Liberty Tees, he's got a really cool section for my show now, Break the Cycle, including the 1% sh- uh, shirts for, for all of my wonderful female um, followers and, and, and viewers. Um, I am tonight wearing a Neocon Remover shirt. If you're familiar with Neocon Remover from Twitter, uh, he you can find his store at Neocon Remover. Uh, store if you just search that he'll actually be on the show in two weeks so that's going to be pretty lit you're definitely going to want to check that one out and now we have a new sponsor anthem planning uh anthem planning inc helps clients prepare for and navigate crisis they specialize in emergency communication and emergency management policies um they basically exist to do a better job at uh emergency crisis management than the government could ever do definitely check them out they're out of delaware One of the owners is uh, part of the Mises Caucus. So, you know, good people. Check them out at anthemplanning.com. So, uh, what's going on tonight? Oh, we have Drew Hancock on the show. You guys know Drew Hancock? Drew is uh, the owner of the Drew Hancock channel on YouTube that seemingly came out of absolutely nowhere um, and started making amazing quality videos. Uh, He's been really, really cool. I was very astonished to find out that he's only 20 years old. Um, probably the least dumb 20 year old I've ever met in my life. Here is Drew Hancock. How the hell are you, sir? I'm pretty good, Josh. I think that least dumb 20 year old 
that's a compliment. It's not really that much of a compliment, but you know what? I'll take it. I think having a conversation between a 20 year old like myself, you know, is very tech savvy and like a boomer like yourself. I think it'll be an interesting dynamic. Right. Right. Uh, exactly. I, you know, I probably could, I probably could have asked you how to run live streams and you would have been like, Dude, what are you doing? No, you don't do you, Listen, this is how you gotta do it. It's funny. Uh, um, Nick, who's actually Nick Ashley, who's in the chat right now. I, before every show I do with a guest, I have to call him and be like, hey, man, can you hop on Zoom with me real quick so we can make sure that all the sound's going, everything sounds all right, uh, you know, and my video looks good. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll hop on. And he's always ready to go, but, man, he's helped me out so much. And he's part of the 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 uh, Neon Sign Club, so when we get the new Break the Cycle Neon Sign behind me, he's going to be a big part of that. But, man, why don't you tell, uh, why don't you tell my, my listeners and my guests how you came to Liberty at such a young age, man. You're 20 years old and you're already uh, running around saying, fuck the state. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I got kind of a head start. So my dad is a libertarian, so I'm kind of second-gen libertarian. Um, but yeah, so my dad was a big Ron Paul supporter, so I kind of gleamed stuff off of him. I remember I was a kid and I asked him, like, are you a Democrat or a Republican? And he told me a libertarian. So um, yeah, I've gotten kind of that upraising, and I turned 13 years old, and I was like, you know, I'm getting pretty old now, Last so year? I should learn something about politics. Yeah, you know, a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm I'm pretty old now, I should learn something about politics. And uh, I was like, hey, my dad loved that Ron Paul guy, why don't I learn about Ron Paul? So I looked up on YouTube, and I started watching his speeches and stuff that he did at the debates and stuff like that, and... Uh, I just picked it up and I thought, yeah, this makes sense to me. And, you know, as time went on, I delved more deep into it than just Ron Paul. Like I've probably seen every clip of Ron Paul on YouTube from uh, around that time period. And, uh, yeah, I got into reading. My dad loaned me one of his books and then I started buying books and just been a pretty gradual process. But uh, I've been a libertarian, I would say, since I've probably been 13. Nice, man. Heck yeah, that's pretty cool. It's it's funny because, you know, Ron Paul brought me to this movement too, you know. My my time in war, and anybody who watches the show or has seen me on one of the other hundreds of podcasts I've been on, knows that really my time spent at war is what brought me to the liberty movement. But Ron Paul is the one that cultivated my philosophy. And I'm uh, 18 years older than you or something like that, like double <laughs> your age. So it's just so cool how much of a lasting effect uh, Papa Paul has had um, for generations. I mean, you know, he's the guy's been doing the same thing and saying the same thing since what the 60s 70s you know he was the libertarian presidential uh nominee in 88 uh you know he was presidential hopeful twice for the republican party in the 2000s i mean it's it's crazy how his legacy spans generations and how many of us are ready to fight the state and uh, and uh tyranny because of that wonderful wonderful human being man so glad to have you yeah glad to be here josh <laughs> uh so was there i mean was you know obviously your your dad was geared towards liberty i mean as libertarians we have there's demographics in out in this in this this country especially that we just have a really fucking hard time getting a hold of i mean you know inner city youth the black community uh sometimes the hispanic community i mean it it largely has been a bunch of white men uh, you know, talking about liberty in, in living rooms for gener you know, a couple generations since the seventies, at least for politically. Um, what, what was it? What was it? I mean, you know, obviously Ron Paul and stuff, but did you see anything in your day-to-day -day life from your, from your dad? I mean, that made you th think that that was the way to go. Um, 
Well, I mean, like, my dad's a gun owner, like, stuff like that. So, like, guns was probably the first thing where it's like, yeah, I should have the right to defend myself and stuff like that. I mean, and then day-to-day life, like, you know, you go to the DMV and it sucks. You realize stuff like that. Uh, I hated school. So whenever I was in school, I hated it. And then I started learning about, like, John Taylor Gatto and, like, the School Sucks Project and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's about right. So uh, stuff like that, I mean, for the most part, everything that Ron Paul said just kind of was intuitive. But, I mean, yeah, there was stuff that kind of contributed to it. I would say that school would be the main thing, though. And uh, with school, like – whenever you start getting into this stuff and then you have to sit through like ninth grade history and they're telling you that like Herbert Hoover was a laissez-faire capitalist and that, uh, you know, stuff like that where it's like, you know, I've been told otherwise, I don't think that's quite true. And uh, stuff like that you start to pick up on. And, uh, it's kind of weird to grow up that way, but it is what it is. Yeah, I don't and, know, uh, I don't know yeah. if there's a lot of people that were 13, 14, 15 that were picking up on that stuff, man. I'm not going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was 13, 14 or 15, I was like, where can I ride my skateboard to or my bike to, uh, to hang out with friends and, and not think about politics whatsoever, man. So it's, it's really, it's really interesting. It's, you know, it's something we need more of in this country. Definitely. It's, it's better when, you know, when people become voting age, most of the time, the people in America, when they become voting age, they're just kind of like, don't know anything other than what they've seen on the TV or what they've been told by their friends who are other, you know, 16, 17 year olds. So <laughs> it's pretty cool that to, to see somebody who actually was already thinking uh, for themselves at that age. That's a, that's a pretty cool thing. But uh, I've been watching your videos, man. <laughs> I have, I'm a fan. Like I am literally a fan. Your videos are tight, man. They're so well done. Um, you speak really well. I don't know if you script that stuff out or not. Um, I know I script, I script out a lot of stuff for my show sometimes too. I know people know that about me, but um, I'm getting better at not scripting it out. But when you when you have the the luxury of doing cool videos where you're showing a bunch of clips and recording and editing and stuff like that, you can script that stuff out and it does sound really good. But even though it might be scripted, um, the words you're using are are good. You know, they're big words. You're, you speak really well. You say really good stuff that people need to hear. But your most recent video. Uh, it's all about, it's all about the oink oinks, man. All yeah, about the, the oink oinks. <laughs> the uh, Kamala Harris's of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you so, break, break that video down a little bit for, uh, for us? You said some really cool things in that video about how, uh, the right, um, you know, don't, they, they support the police too much, uh, without understanding what the police means to them and their rights to own guns and this and that. And you talked about how the left, their agenda would never get passed without tyrannical police forces to enforce that agenda. So why don't you kind of break that down for us? So, uh, you know. Yeah. So I was planning on making a police video. So one of my, my second video was a police video. And, you know, I think that what I'm doing now is more higher quality than when it was back then. So I wanted to revisit it. And, uh, in the middle of making it, I had a tweet go viral about the Daniel Shaver shooting. So, uh, that even sparked me up more. And, uh, the responses to that tweet really fueled like a lot of what I said about like progressives and conservatives because I got flack from both sides on that one. Like uh, progressives, they watched my other police video and were saying like, what do you mean systemic racism isn't the problem? And that pissed me off. Uh, and then conservatives were calling me like, uh, you know, you're not living in the real world. We need protection and there are violent people and that's what the cops are and you need to get out of your parents' basement and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, that really sparked it. And um, so basically in the video, I just kind of go through and um, first off, I just start with, you know, I hate cops. And that's basically how I started it. Originally, the video was titled Why I Hate Cops, but I backed off of that because I don't think that's really necessary. It's called Abolish the Police instead. Um, And so I started off by talking about progressives. They talk about all this stuff. So anti-discrimination laws, people don't think about that. Minimum wage laws. None of this is possible without the police. 
Uh, Michael Malice talks about a lot, like the lockdown orders, none of it's possible without the police. Who's going to enforce a lockdown order? Who's going to force someone to close down their business? Who's going to show up to your house and arrest people if there's too many people over at Thanksgiving? Not going to happen without the cops. And then on the conservative side of it, I talk, cops aren't your friends for those same reasons. Whenever the guns are banned, it's going to be the cops showing up at your house trying to take your guns from you. Like, so I think that in that way, it's completely backwards. Like conservatives, they should be anti-cop and progressives should be pro-cop. And uh, for whatever reason, they aren't. And then I just kind of go through, you know, like pretty basic. I don't go into detail at all, just like market solutions to police and security. Um, so, yeah, that's basically it. I keep my content like pretty concise. Like if you want like an in-depth breakdown of like how private law and private security security could work like there are people like bob murphy who really go into that but oh, i yeah. i'm but you know i'm like pretty concise and just short with it but uh yeah that's basically it yeah absolutely and and i totally agree with i mean every point you made in that video is, is super super solid it is it is really hilarious to me to see the the conservative movement supporting the police when you know <laughs> damn well that everything you stand for you know if you 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 purport to be a, a big uh, fan of individual liberty and you know economic freedom and and uh, firearms and stuff like this that's all the stuff that is you know going to be taken from you by force by the police who in your video you say uh, you know swear to uphold the the, the constitution but constantly yeah. enforce laws that break them every single day and uh, it's it's very true and then yeah the progressive I think the progressives just don't really know what they want yeah, that's what I think. I think. Yeah. It, it's it's funny because both sides of the aisle, um, they actually agree with the ends on a lot of things with with libertarians and and and, and even anarchists, especially. Um, but it's just it's so different about how they want to get there. You know what I mean? One side wants to use they both want to use the state first of all. Libertarians are like fuck the state. We're not going to use the state, right? But um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But you know, it, it's really all the the, the byproduct of of. Uh, the cathedral, right? I mean, really, it's yeah. it's it's this mass propaganda um, outlet. I mean, that's what it is. It's it's the conspiracy, the conspiring of uh, you know um, higher education institutions, the ma the uh, mainstream media, the federal government, social media companies. Um, you, you're pretty knowledgeable. You actually made a, a video about countering the, <laughs> the narrative of the cathedral. I like to talk about the cathedral a lot. I think it's something that a lot of people need to hear. I'm constantly called an anti-Semite for um, talking <laughs> about the cathedral, which is funny to me because I, I feel like uh, I would call it the temple if I was being an anti-Semite. But, hey, you know, whatever. It's totally yeah, cool. You know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, whatever. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, when, when uh, Yarvin talks about the cathedral, he just talks about, you know, these, these certain things. But I think it's a, a much bigger uh, kind of, you know, conspiracy, really, you know, I think it is the, 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 the social media companies, you know, and big, and big tech and stuff like that. What do you think? How, you think, it's, you think all that stuff's involved? I mean, they, they do, uh, you know, testify in front of Senate, Senate hearing, uh, committees and, and stuff like that. So do you think social media companies are part of the cathedral? Uh, I mean, yeah, probably. So in that video you're talking about, that's probably my favorite video I've ever done. Uh, I think I just listed as media, academia and uh the uh, entertainment industry um but i mean yeah big tech would fall into that so i mean like twitter and stuff with all their bans and uh censorship and stuff like that i mean yeah obviously they would fall into the cathedral i think um 
But yeah, and I mean, with like the police issue, it doesn't make sense for progressives because they just repeat whatever the cathedral tells them. So whenever you see issues like that where it just doesn't make sense, it's because, well, they're not really thinking. They're just going off of what they're being told by all of these institutions. Um, but yeah, so big tech, I would say, would fall into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So how do you feel? How do you feel about, you know, these social media bands? You know, it's a constant argument between like, uh, I don't know, red pill and blue pill <laughs> libertarians, right? This is something we're constantly arguing about. Well, it's a private company and they should be able to do what they want. But is it really? Do you really think they're private companies when they, you know, they, they, they got a bunch of their seed money f from taxes and, and they, they do work with the, the Senate um, on certain issues and how to run their platform and yeah, I kind of went off about this this morning on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole, are they a private, are they not a private? I don't even talk about that because I don't think it really matters, if I'm being honest. Like, if a company is doing something stupid, call them out on being stupid. So the example I use is that if you go to a restaurant and you order, like, a medium rare steak and it comes out well done, you're going to criticize the restaurant. And if someone at the table next to you is like, well, hey, they're a restaurant. They have the, this is their private property. They have the right to serve you whatever kind of steak they want. You know, that's stupid. Um, so yeah, if Twitter's banning people, yeah, criticize them. I don't care if it's a private company. Uh, people, you know, slander us by saying that, oh, you guys just agree with private companies on everything. And we don't, we criticize private companies. And I don't want to feed into that stereotype by just being like, well, they're a private company. They have the right to do whatever they want. Like, I don't want any government involvement. I don't want the government to step in and stop them from doing anything like that. But, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with criticizing them for banning people because of political bias. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Well, and, you know, lefties throw that at us a lot, right? The the whole, like, you just want corporations to run this country. You, you don't want a government, <laughs> but you want the corporations to be a government. And I'm always like, hey, dummy, without the state? There wouldn't be any corporations the way you know them today. You know what I mean? Yep. These corporations have built on the backs of the state. I mean, that's literally what they did. They 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 lobby for protectionism uh, in the market. Uh, you know, especially especially like these big pharma companies, right? They go and get these 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 patents, and they can have them for ten years. Nobody else can compete with them. Nobody can make a cheaper uh, generic version for this so long. So they can hike up the prices to whatever they want, and that's all done by the state. Without the state. You know, insulin, there'd be 100 companies making insulin competing, you know, for the cheapest prices, uh, the best wages for their employees, uh, the best product on the market, you know, and, and the government is the one that's fucked all of that up, really, <laughs> you know. So it's always funny when it, when some leftist, like, lobs that accusation at us. Uh, corporations, you want Walmart yeah. to run everything. And I'm like, hey, Walmart's pretty cool sometimes, you know, but I don't want them to run everything. And they wouldn't if it wasn't for them always lobbying the government to be protected in the market, right? Yeah, I hate, and I think uh, you pointed this out too, that leftists will throw like, well, they're a private company. And it's like, you haven't believed that all year whenever the companies have been locked down, like small businesses has been locked down. And now all of a sudden you're trying to claim that you believe in property rights. Like, give me a break, people. Right, right. Well, it's <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny how like the, whatever administration's in office, whatever party they're attached to, it just completely changes the narrative on either side, right? I mean, that's, yeah. it's, and you know, you've been involved in, you've you've been paying attention to politics long enough to, to kind of understand this at this point, um, you know, between you, you, you probably really started paying attention when Obama was in office and then yeah. you got to see the Trump era <laughs> and then you got to see the, the, uh, you know, now Joe Biden administration in this, like, you know, it's so chess beating and, and tribalistic team sport. It doesn't matter if your side's doing wrong, as long as your side's winning, right? That's all they give a shit about. 
Yeah, like uh, I remember whenever Trump was elected, he was bragging about, you know, like how great the stock market is doing now that he's in office and stuff like that. And uh, like uh, he's spending so much money. And, you know, these Republicans are a small government. They don't care because they got Donald Trump in office, which uh, in a certain way I get because uh, I hate progressives, too. And uh, Trump is a big middle finger to them. But at the same time, like this dude's not a small government guy at all. Like uh, you can't just completely flip flop on that because your guy's in. Oh, sure. Sure. And they are. That's constantly. I hear this all the time from like Trump supporters. Right. Like he was the most libertarian president of all time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, not even close, man. Well, I mean. Maybe in our lifetime, you could make some arguments that he had a couple, you know, he rolled back some taxes. In my lifetime. Yeah, he got rid rid of some regulations here and there. But, I mean, he actually actually, uh, pushed for more gun legislation than any president in my lifetime that actually, and I actually got it through, right? You know, the bump stock bans, uh, there was another big one too. Was it the, uh, I'm going to call it a silencer and people are going to be mad at me, but I've never had one, so... Um, Uh, but what, I mean, you know, the trade wars, I mean, it was, there was so much shit. And then when he's walking out of office, everybody's like, okay, here, here he goes. This is his chance to pardon Snowden and Ross Ulbricht and Julian Assange and show that he, he cares about, you know, real journalism and, and how, you know, he talked about how the media is the enemy of the people for years and years and years. Right. And then, and then he's got this chance to, to let go this, this, you know, pardon this actual journalist and this actual whistleblower and this actual guy who started a free market website. And he cowers out, pardons a bunch of his, a bunch of his cronies and walks out of office. I mean, Oh, yeah. Trump in his last couple of months, like complete just coward, like uh, the entire establishment hates you. You're going out anyway. Just like do something like do something. Pardon, Russ, pardon uh, Ross Ulbricht, pardon uh, Assange, pardon Snowden. Uh, like, come on. And he did nothing with that like two months. He could have uh, pulled the troops out. And uh, yeah, he just totally wussed out. So I guess he's just biding his time until 2024 maybe sure well the plan's coming together i'm sure the q the q tards are out there uh you know plans coming together right now i think i think they've moved the date now to april 20th or something like that i don't know it changes every month so it's the plan yeah. is coming together everyone trusts the plan you know yeah it's uh, i love these like cases that you know people talk about are going to happen and then they like never happen you know oh yeah yeah <laughs> and it's so funny because you're, you're you're a supporter of the mises cox right you like the mises caucus you're you're excited about the the LP takeover from the Mises Caucus, right? I'm ready for the uh, Josh and Dave ticket next uh, 2024. <laughs> hey, I almost got him to admit that he would run for president on 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 my show last week. That was kind of cool, man. I heard. Um, but yeah, Smith and Smith. You know what I mean? When's the last time yeah. you ever heard of a ticket with the same last name? That's going to be pretty cool, right? Yeah, like never. So uh, <laughs> that might be a new first for the uh, LP. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm uh, you know I got I got eight dependents now, man. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's getting kind of crazy out here for me to keep running these campaigns. That's one of the reasons for anybody that wasn't paying attention to my Twitter this week, I actually dropped out of my campaign for chairman of the libertarian national committee. Cause uh, I just had to prioritize my family over the constant political stuff. You know, I spent four years traveling all over the country and uh, just, I've been to 40 States and I've been getting attacked left and right by all these really nasty, shitty people that are actually in the same party that I'm a member of. And so it came to a point where it was like, uh, what's more important to you? You know, you take care of your family or traveling every weekend to these conventions. And, it, you know, I felt like I had this show now. I have an opportunity to keep building the movement in a, in a certain way. Um, you know, why not do that, right? Hi, kids. Do you like violence? Yeah. <laughs>
Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. Yeah, but I mean, eight kids, like you almost got a cabinet ready, Josh. I mean, <laughs> I it's know. all. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it's actually, so it's it's seven children. So we have, my, my girlfriend had two already and then I got cussing my 16-year-old daughter and then um, she had two siblings that, needed a home so we were able to get custody of them then we had our child uh new year's eve and then my granddaughter was born um not this past sunday but the sunday before that made seven so it's actually seven children in the house um it's a lot man it's a lot it's a lot (laughs) yeah i mean i have one sister who's a little bit older than me so yeah i i can't even imagine that josh yeah it's it's (laughs) it's wild man but uh but yeah, so it's 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 funny, you know. We we talk about the Mises Caucus and um, something that's constantly lobbied at us, you know, as as Mises guys, is that we're Trump supporters, you know. But then we sit here on this podcast and we talk about all the things that we disliked about Trump and how we didn't support what he was doing and this and that and this and that. Let's talk about bitch ass libertarians, man. <laughs> <laughs> I talked a lot about that with uh, with Pete Quinones when I had him on the show. And, uh, you know, really what he's what he's referring to is blue-pilled libertarians. And you made a really cool video about that as well. Why don't you, yeah. why don't you break down for my viewers who I'm sure know what blue-pilled libertarian is. What is a blue-pilled libertarian to you? Um, yeah, so first off, I would separate, like, bitch-ass libertarians and blue-pilled libertarians. Like, I think that there's a difference there. Like, someone like Amash, you know, I like Amash. There are other libertarians who I would consider blue-pilled who, yeah, I would think are bitch-asses and I don't want to associate with. But a blue pill libertarian, my exact definition is it's someone who can – it's a libertarian who cannot think outside of the bounds of acceptable thought as laid out by the cathedral, and that's how I define it. So it's someone who they watch their TV. They agree with everything. They don't think that uh, – so red pilling, in contrast, is the idea that what is presented as truth by the corporate press is in fact a carefully constructed narrative uh, designed to keep some very unpleasant people in power. You know, a, you know, you know that Michael Malice had to read that when he said it on his show, and you said it without reading it. And if Michael's watching, uh, Drew's coming for your spot, buddy. I mean, that could just also mean that you know I'm obsessed with him or something. I don't know. <laughs> He's referred to himself as like my mom and stuff. So right, right. But uh, but uh, yeah. So that's basically it. I mean, uh, so in terms of like TV watching, you know, your blue pill libertarian probably watches like your uh, nightly news at 5.30 and then the local news and stuff. And they don't think that – they think that everyone's just honest and trying to do a good job. But, you know, maybe they're a little bit biased, but there's nothing uh, malicious behind it. Sure, sure, yeah. So so obviously, you know, most, most libertarians should be red-pilled. I mean, we, we already have like a natural distrust for the state. But how do you, you – know, you know you know the difference between white pill and black pill, right? You, you know, yeah. You know those ones too. Would you consider yourself a white-pilled libertarian? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're blackpilled, like, what's even the point of doing anything, you know? Like, if you think that it's hopeless, then why would you even worry about politics? Just go live your life and do whatever. So, yeah, I would consider myself white-pilled. I don't think that we're, like, destined to lose or anything like that. And uh, Nick Ashley, who you mentioned, he actually 
said to me that I seem pretty optimistic. And yeah, I think that's true. So yeah. 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 I, I've, uh, I've been talking about myself being gray pilled, you know, I think after, after you worked in politics for a certain amount of time, you get a little skeptical it, when you, when you work in libertarian politics, especially you get a little skeptical. Of course, I'm, I'm super, I'm super excited about, you know, the direction with the Mises caucus. You know, I, I worked, I, when I was traveling around the country, I put that Mises caucus target on my back. You know what I mean? Everywhere I went, I was talking about the Mises caucus and it was like, it also bred a lot of hate for me from bitch ass libertarians and also I guess blue <laughs> bill libertarians. If you consider them a different thing, I kind of I kind of still believe they're almost the same thing. Most of the blue pill libertarians I know are are bitch asses, but I, I guess Amash, there's some overlap. Yeah, yeah. Amash is Amash <laughs> is definitely pretty good, but there's a lot of bitch ass blue pill libertarians too. Um, uh, what was oh yeah? So so I'm gray pilled. You know what I mean? I I I feel like I feel like I have some hope, but I'm definitely skeptical of the ends, man, because. That, that's still white pilled. If white pilling is just saying, I don't think it's destined that we're going to lose. That's all the white pilling is. So even if you think, I think that there's a 99% chance that we're going to lose, there's still that 1%. That makes you white pilled. That's all, you know, so that's I'm going to semantic you out of it. Have, man. 1%. <laughs> no, 1.9 now. See, I announced yeah, I that Drew. You. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I announced that Drew Hancock was coming on my show. I got 0.9% more females watching my streams. Yeah. And I mean, those of you who are watching this, like you can see why, you know? <laughs> <laughs> my god so there was a shooting this past week huh pretty rough. really i hadn't heard i hadn't heard this you hadn't heard of this uh yeah <laughs> and uh syrian immigrant um no that uh, was a white guy oh was he white oh that's right yeah, yeah the yeah the cathedral would love for you to think he's white but um yeah so syrian immigrant shoots up a a, a grocery store uh current administration is racking their brains to figure out how they can blame it on <laughs> iran there's just no doubt about it. I mean, you know, Iranian, Iranian back Syrian immigrant uh, shoots up grocery store. But um, well, I mean, what are your thoughts on the, the these, uh, you know, this stream of shootings that are coming out? Because we had the, the massage parlor uh, shootings as well prior to this. I mean, what, just the week before. It's like it's like we didn't have any shootings during this whole COVID or, ordeal while we we're all, you know, being, being locked in our homes and. And, uh, you know, that, that administration's on their way out and they're, they're focused on that. And now all of a sudden we got the new administration in now we're back to the shootings again. What what, what is your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, it might mark a return to normalcy. That's pretty morbid, but still, um, yeah, with the Asian massage parlor one, that was one where they were trying to paint it as a hate crime. Like whatever, it's a crazy dude going into a massage parlor, like, a. And uh, you see these dumb tweets like, I don't think that Americans should have the right to commit mass shootings. And it's like, well, I believe in the Second Amendment, and I don't think that either. Um, yeah. And with this past one, they were all, you know, everyone was jumping in like, oh, I'm going to bet that it was a white man because, you know, he was captured. Oh. And, uh, you know, comes out that he's Arab. And what I thought they were going to go with, so with um, George Zimmerman, they uh, said that he was a white Latino, you know, trying to make that into like a race uh, thing. Excuse me, it's white. The, the correct term is white passing. White passing. So, you know, they said white passing. So with this dude, I thought they were going to say that he's like a white Arab. And from what I've seen, they didn't even do that. They've done two things. They've just buried the story or they just said, well, he looks white. He's white. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's nuts. That's I posted. I posted on, on uh, Twitter today. I said today I learned that Syrians are uh, much whiter than the rest of the Middle East. And if they're not, uh, well, then it's the gun's fault. And if you still don't believe that, then you're a bigot. <laughs> 
I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. that's pretty much been the argument, you know? And it's like, it was, it's, it's, it's always blows my mind. Like the, the psychology behind these mass shootings, right? Like how every side just starts to rushing to blame the other side right away. And it's like, you know, sometimes people just do these things cause they're fucking nuts and it has nothing to yeah. do with politics whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like, like the Sandy Hook shooting that, you know, there was no political motive there. You know, if, you know, I, I know a lot of people are split on, you know, how that actually went down. Alex Jones got in a little trouble <laughs> over it. Uh, I think Paul Joseph Watson had to go to some depositions over what they said on InfoWars. But, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, there was no political motive there. You know what I mean? It was just a, a crazy person who, who lost their mind. And that shit happens in every country, whether we have our, uh, a gun or not. You know, if you look at, if you look at England, what are they, they going to start banning steak knives soon? Assault knives? Cause they get, you know, I, if I, if I ever moved to England, you're damn right. I'd want to have a, at least a, you know, a couple of rounds in my magazine. Cause I don't want to get stabbed to death <laughs> in the street, you know, but they, they make it, they, they make it out to be this crazy thing where, uh, all these other countries that have banned guns or banned, you know, uh, Ill, fire, firearm ownership, just, they don't have any more murders. It's better. Australia, no more murders, England, no more murders, but it's bullshit though. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing with the England is like Piers Morgan back in the day. That's another one that I used to watch whenever I was a kid. Uh, he would always throw out like, a, you know, the U.S. had like however many gun deaths, you know, a lot more than England and that England had like 600 or something. Um, and they always throw out like these misleading statistics, like two thirds of gun deaths are suicides. Oh, yeah. And then there's also that they don't take like per capita. They look at like but then they also ignore like violent crime in total. Like, yeah, you're talking about people stab each other and stuff. Uh, and then it ignores like context, like England's always had a lower gun violence rate than America. Like that's always been true, even before and after they banned guns. That's always been the case, except ours is actually going down. There's a staying pretty steady. Um, and then there's also that most of the gun violence is in like a couple cities like Chicago. Sure. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's all just misleading. Like all the data, like, I'm sorry, it points to legalize all guns sure like that's yeah. just how it is well it's like but, uh, and that's what yeah go well, it's ahead. like they're they're you know they're rallying against the the ar-15 again it's always the arm light right always but yeah. if you look at it like less than two percent of gun deaths happen from an arm light 15 like that's literally it's 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 minuscule compared to handgun deaths but they lump all suicides into the all these gun statistics right like you said two-thirds yeah. of them are are suicides which are going to happen whether somebody has a gun or not, right? If you really want to commit suicide, you're going to commit suicide whether you have a gun in your house or not. You're going to hang yourself. You're going to slit your wrist. You're going to over... It's probably a lot easier to overdose on pills. I mean, if I was going to do it, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, do, you think, do you think that there's less gun violence in, in England because we scared their bitch asses in the Revolutionary War? Or? Uh, well... That brings up a great point that England, they are a bunch of bitch, bitch ashes, bitch asses with like bad teeth. Oh, shit. And, uh, I, like, shots I, fired. I, yeah. I mean, not even shots fired. It's just the truth. Like, you know, I'm just I speak facts. You know, I don't care about your feelings or all that stuff. Uh, yeah. If you're English and you're watching this, like, yeah, I don't like you automatically. Like, I don't even have to talk to you to know that. Uh, but yeah, there's some really cool. <laughs> there's some really cool people from England, man. I'm going to think of some during the rest of this podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to try to, I'll think of something yeah, that's going to happen. I'll, I'll be skeptical. I'll, <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. How do you feel about Canadians know. though? Uh, Canadians are all right. All right. Are all right. You know, they're like, I don't know. They're kind of bitch asses too, but oh, shit. Josh Shibulski, if you're watching gauntlets thrown, buddy. 
Yeah. That uh, guy who runs the uh, Canadian LP, he's pretty good. Oh, but uh, their Twitter account, Tim, but yeah. <laughs> Tim is the man. He's like one of the coolest. I Tim is, Tim is what I wish the Libertarian Party of the United States would be. You know what I mean? Like he's a he's he's a badass firefighter. He's a fighter, like a legit fighter. He's gone in and done boxing matches for for charity. He's called out he's called out their prime minister for a charity <laughs> match. And, and uh, Mister Mister Sparkly Socks won't won't take him on. Unfortunately, I wish he would. I'd love to see uh, Justin Castro get beat up in the middle of the ring. Oh, did I say Castro again? I always call him Justin Castro. Yeah. That's unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah, that dude. Uh, he offered the Twitter account for Canada to Malice, and Malice told him. He wouldn't do it for a shithole country, which uh, <laughs> kind of goes to that dynamic. But yeah, pretty cool dude to offer that though. Yeah, well, I, I actually told Malice the same thing. I said if I became chair of the party, that I he would get the keys to the the LP social media, and a lot of people, you know, they wanted to crucify bitch ass libertarians were really upset about me saying that because you know Malice is a little edgy, but that's what we fucking need. You know, at the end of the day, sixty one percent of the population didn't vote for a presidential candidate. They don't want. They don't want the same old, same old bullshit anymore. They don't want to hear this, you know, these lies that they're constantly force-fed. They want someone to come out and start calling other people bitch asses. And I think Malice would have been perfect for the Libertarian Party social media, man. Yeah, I mean, Malice, I mean, he doesn't consider himself a libertarian. I mean, obviously he disagrees with stuff, with us on stuff. But, I mean, he's an anarchist. He's a really, like, really, he's like a literal genius. Oh, yeah. Uh, not, it's and, not even, yeah, he's yeah. hilarious. He would have been perfect. Yeah, he reads. Yeah, I, when I had Dave on last week, I asked him what his favorite his favorite thing about Michael Malice was. He's like, I don't like anything about Michael Malice. I spend way too much time <laughs> with him. But uh, it's the same thing he said. He's just like he's more well read than anybody you will ever meet in your entire life. He knows so much; it's crazy. But then you know he uses it for good, right? Oh yeah, I mean, like I've learned like random stuff about like fish for Michael Malice. Like he knows like everything. <laughs> <laughs> I uh one of my favorite Michael Malice moments was uh I fuck what show was that was that on Kennedy it might have been Kennedy where he's talking to the guy and the guy's like excuse me my father was was a uh college professor for you know 20 years he's like so he's one of the bad guys and he's like my dad's dead and yeah. he tells a story about how he came up to him at the end he's like hey man you don't really believe all that shit do you and he's like of course I do like he just doesn't care man yeah I have that whole exchange on my uh, YouTube channel, actually. So I have him actually on Kennedy and him on part of the problem talking about it after. Oh, so want to want to see that? Go to my it. channel. I bet that's where Probably. I watched it. You have a. I was watching one of your videos and I popped up. I was like, "Hey, I know that guy. What's going on?" Yeah, in my uh, blue pill video, you're towards the end. Whenever I talk about uh, good candidates. Yeah, it was like uh, me and Angela and somebody else, and I was like, "Hey, that's pretty cool, man. I didn't know I was in a video. I'm gonna have to get some royalties from that guy." Yeah, that was when uh, I didn't know if you were still going to run or not. So I was like, I need to play both sides of this and you know, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, I, when I dropped out this week, I definitely endorsed uh, Angela McArdle. There's, you know, in my opinion, there's not going to be anybody better running. Um, I worked with her very, very closely as somebody who was actually served on the board of the Libertarian Party of California with her. I've watched her work on the Mises Caucus, on the board of the Mises, or on the, you know, as an organizer for California, she's one of the reasons why I got so close to winning in 2020. I would not have won California if it had not been for her. She's amazing. If you're going to become uh, a delegate to the national convention in 2022 for the Libertarian Party, definitely vote for Angela McArdle. The party will be in amazing hands. There's no doubt about it. How do you feel? You gonna you gonna you gonna try and become a Missouri uh, delegate or what? 
I mean, yeah, I'll do what I can. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, because, yeah, another vote for Angela, another vote for the uh, Smith and Smith in 2024, you know? I'll do what I can. Yeah, you guys got a couple bitch-ass libertarians in Missouri, too. It'd be nice to knock them out of those delegate seats. I don't know anything about, like, anyone in Missouri. Really? So, you know what? So, you know what? I love everyone in Missouri. How about that? There's a... I'm here to make friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a there's actually some cool there's some really cool people in the Missouri uh, State Party. Your vice chair, Robin Dominic, is is Mises, yeah. and she's hardcore. And uh, like she Robin. was actually walking around the 2020 national convention with a purse that actually had like a bladder inside of it full of wine, and was like feeding people wine out of her purse. It was, it was, <laughs> was like that this, sounds awesome. Very Missouri. That's very Missouri of you, Robin. But she's. Cool. I mean, she, I'm not. I'm not old enough to drink, so I don't know if I can like participate in any of that. But you know what? We're a uh, not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything else about underage drinking. Yeah, you know we'll, what? I'm we'll, just gonna. We'll act like the, we'll act like that's uh, that's how that's gonna play out. You know what I mean? I, but yep. you'll be you'll be old enough by the time you go to the national convention, right? 2022. Uh, if everything proceeds as it should, then yeah. Yeah, then you, you'll, you'll be you'll be in <laughs> Reno, which is really just like small, dirty Vegas. Really, it's what it is. I mean, it's just like small, dirty Vegas. It's in Nevada. It's got all the same damn laws. It's casinos and hotels everywhere. Cool restaurants, man. It's actually gonna. It's probably gonna be one of the most fun national conventions in a long time. So, definitely, definitely check it out. Oh man, we got some pretty cool chats. anybody want to Anybody want to ask Drew anything before we get close to ending this thing? I can't believe we've already gone forty minutes, dude. That was that was pretty quick. We have. Yeah, Dang. Man. Oh, I don't know. You no know, time flies when you're having fun. I don't know. We would have already went. Let's see. We would have already went uh, almost an hour had I not killed the stream <laughs> thirty seconds into the initial stream. Yeah. Had we not had our technical difficulties, which were entirely Josh's fault. Yeah. Like, no one look at me about that. I okay? boomered it up, but at least I got the audio right when we came back. You know what I mean? That's the important thing. Well, if you watch yeah, the first I mean, couple if... episodes, I fucked the audio up so bad. I, I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. Um, it, was, uh, it was pretty crazy. I, you know, I've talked about that shit a lot, but I, I didn't know what I was doing when I get, got ready to start the show, man. You know what I mean? I, oh, yeah. Yeah, I wish I knew how to. Edit. Had I known how to use like editing programs, I probably would have done my podcast more like your clips on YouTube. But <laughs> I was like, well, I don't really know how to edit all that shit, so I'm just gonna have to do it live because that's a lot easier than editing, I guess. Yeah, that's no. I mean, people ask me like, hey, you know, I want to make videos, but I don't really know what to do. Like, I didn't really know what I was doing when I started either. You know, you just kind of mess around and find out what works. So uh, anyone watching this who wants to start a YouTube channel, that's my advice. Just mess around and find out what works. Well, and, and I learned uh, when I when I started trying to do a podcast last year and I started on Anchor doing an audio podcast, recording it through my phone, um, <laughs> which they were all right, but I scripted them all out. It sounded like a robot. But, they, you know, I, I tried to come up with some funny jokes. I had some cool topics to talk about. I made a lot of fun of Biden, which was a lot of fun. But um <laughs> consistency is the key man to, to the social media thing and this, this YouTube thing. And, um, that was one of the, the things I like when I decided I was going to start the show, I was like, okay, if I put enough money into the show, I'm going to want to be committed because I've already put so much money into it. So I just bought everything I could. And then I'm like, well, got to do it now. You know? <laughs> yeah. I actually had like the same exact thing. Like I started, I re- record my audio on my phone. Like I have one video that I, you're not going to ever see, which uh, was just me talking to my phone for like 10 minutes. Uh, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy like a lifetime subscription to like an editing program. And uh, then I'm going to feel guilty if I don't start making videos because I just wasted a whole lot of money. True. And that was pretty much what uh, motivated me to get started Dude, and uh, to stop procrastinating. Yeah. When, you know, <laughs> it was uh, when I was when I was doing MMA, 
I would take a bunch of times time off and then go back to it and take a bunch of time off. And I was always saying, I want to, I want to take a fight. I want to take a fight. I want to take a fight. And finally some guy looked at me and he goes, Hey man, uh, if you just keep talking about it and not doing it, you're never going to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yeah. I kind of treated the, 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 this video like, or this, uh, this show the same way. It was like, all right, quit talking about it. Just buy the shit. You know, you can totally bomb on YouTube. It's not a big deal. At least you said, <laughs> at least you said you tried, you know what I mean? But it seems like you and I are kind of uh, neck, like pacing each other neck and neck, man. So that's that's really that's really cool to see uh, new people coming up. I think people like uh, Reed Coverdell, who is really coming up fast, and you and I and several other really good YouTubers, man. Um, it's a good thing for the liberty movement, man. Really, we need we need to saturate the market. There's a lot of liberty podcasts out there, audio podcasts. There are, there really are. We need more yeah. shows. People like shows, you know what I mean? And and more content. Like you're making ten minute clips. You know what I mean? Where people can actually focus and sit around for 10 minutes and, and, and ingest everything you're saying. And you're saying it in a way that people, um, you know, can, uh, understand, which is really important. You know, a lot of times libertarians were like, well, this one time in this book from 1953, uh, we started talking about this. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, dude, shut up. Let, let the, let the kids talk. You know what I mean? They, they know what they're talking yeah. about. And I think that's, I think it's so important because someone like you is going to reach, your generation a lot better than someone like even me. You know what I mean? I'm 30. I just turned 38 years old. Uh, I'm a grandpa. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and I'm like, a, you know, I grew up in a generation that was kind of getting, I don't know, I'm going to sound like such a boomer, but more more hip, you know, than our, the generation before us. But it's really, it's always the same, you know. The generation after us looks at us like we're a bunch of idiots and, and fucked up the society and this and that and this and that. So it's cool. It's cool to see young and up, up and coming uh, YouTubers putting out awesome content, and uh, I look forward to all the great things you are going to be doing in the future. Um, but where can people find you, man? Uh, yeah, so I mean, on YouTube, my channel is just Drew Hancock. The at, if you want to look up by the URL, which I don't know why you would, is just Lockout Days, L O C K O U T D A Y S. Uh, then Twitter, Drew Hancock. My ad is once again lockout days. Uh, you can catch me on Odyssey too if you want to, you know, help fight against like big tech and stuff. Go to my Odyssey page, which is just lockout days, or uh, Drew Hancock as well. But uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. I got one more question for you, Drew. Yep. Tower Gang, how you feel about us? Hell yeah, dude! I love the fucking Tower Gang. That's what I'm talking about, buddy. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, man, I really appreciate <laughs> you coming on the show, dude. Uh, I'm like I said again, I'm a big fan. I can't wait to see the content that you put out in the future. I think you're uh, great for the Liberty Movement, and uh, you're going to do big things, brother. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me, Josh. It was good to talk to you. Yeah, you as well, brother. All right, All guys. Right. That was Drew Hancock. He's amazing. Young guy, doing awesome things. Uh, definitely, definitely go and subscribe to his YouTube channel. If you could, for me, subscribe to my YouTube channel, I would be so appreciative um, we're trying to hit that 4,000 viewer hours mark. We're getting really, really close. The Dave Smith video admittedly was very, very helpful. Um, if you have a podcast, always have Dave Smith on that Dave Smith boost is, is it's needed. It's definitely needed. Also, we have a Patreon now that's, that's up and running. Uh, if you want to support the show, keep the show running, uh, help me make this a full-time job someday. You can go to patreon.com backslash break the cycle JS. We have a private discord server. That's now getting pretty cool. Uh, there's like 28 people in there now. Um, there's also some really cool tiers. You can get yourself a shirt. You can get yourself a, mug, a part of the mug club. Cause I'm ripping off Steven Crowder. Uh, 
There's uh, you know, the, the executive producer level where you can actually get your name as an executive producer on the show. Um, so cool things. And uh, you get to support a show that's up and coming and, and, and hopefully making a difference in the YouTube world. Um, once again, make sure you check out our sponsors, Lorenzotti.coffee. All your delicious Italian coffee needs delivered directly to your door in an awesome canister that's a little hard to open, by the way. We might want to talk about that. But it is probably the best coffee that I've ever tasted in my life. Top Lobster, the, the absolute man, toplobster.com, where you can get all your dope uh, graphic tees and graphics for your shows and whatever other kind of awesome hand-drawn graphics you need. He's amazing. He's become a really good friend of me. I'm, I'm glad to have him as a sponsor for the show. And also, Anthem Planning. Uh, if you have an emergency, if you're worried about your business having emergencies and you need help with managing projects, definitely hit up anthemplanning.com. Amazing people. Again, Mises Caucus people. Uh, New sponsor of the show. We're very, very happy to have them. Uh, Let's see. Friday. We're going to have the man, the myth, the legend, Shane Hazel, Autism 316 coming on. Uh, If you watched mine and Shane's episode from last week, you know that we have a lot of fun on the show. Uh, We're both veterans. We both like to breathe fire at the state. Uh, I imagine that show is going to be a lot of fun. Um, there's the schedule all the way through 618. After Shane Hazel, we'll have Senator Eric Brakey from Maine on. Scott, the man, Horton, uh, will be talking about his new book, Enough Already. And then, of course, the Libertarian Party presidential candidate uh, for 2020, Spike Cohen. Hopefully, he'll wear a shirt on my show. Maybe he won't. Who knows? You might see hairy man nipples again. Um, but that is pretty much all I got for you. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is so important. Check out the Patreon. We're now on Instagram at Break the Cycle with Joshua Smith. Follow me on Twitter at Joshua at Large. That is where my war with the blue checks continues to rage on. And I will see you guys next, uh, this coming Friday. Yeah. But until then, don't forget to break the cycle. To explain the lyrics of my last song, they seem to contain a violent call to action in the person the frame. But I just spent it in Minecraft. The helicopter part was in reference to GTA 5 and the things you do. So any violence you commit, I am not an excuse because I just spent it in Minecraft. Well, Chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold. Accusations of incitement getting totally old. Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just meant it in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless there's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft You're nothing I mean, you know it Don't try to finish, get the close to COVID Holy shit, I think I'll pull